Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Hey Amen. It's good to be here today. It's good to be here with you. I'm so glad you're here, and I want to uh, turn our attention to the book of Romans today, chapter 8 and verse 29. If you have your Bible or Bible app, get there if you can. We'll also bring it up on the screens for you, but it might be good for you to have it there with you in your lap as well. You can mark it and then look over it later this week. But we've been in a series for the last uh, three weeks. This is week number four called uh, It's Time to Upgrade. Turn to somebody and tell them, it's time to upgrade. It's time to upgrade. Um, and, and for the sake of time, I'm not going to go through any review that we've um, covered so far in these last weeks. But I do want to encourage you to subscribe to our podcast and um, you can also, we have those watching by live stream, and so we have archived uh, videos as well on YouTube and also on our website, onecausechurch.com. So we have these resources available to you, and we would love uh, for you to be able to use those. I mean, we offer them to you so you can use them anytime. And these, this particular subject is something that we really need to come back and revisit pretty regularly um, so that we can remember really our purpose in the earth, and what the Christian experience, what the Christian life really is. But before we do that, I want to say happy birthday tomorrow to my daughter, Madeline Clare, who sang a lot of the songs this morning. Tomorrow should be, tomorrow should be 22, and two months from today, she'll be married. So, yeah, somebody else is going to pay the bills. <laughs> really happy about that. Yeah. Happy birthday, sweetheart. And also, Pastor Jeremiah and Maddie Land, you see, are not here today, but I think our team did so, so good. Thank you, guys, all of you. Just awesome. Potsy, man. Stephen. Everybody knows him as Stephen, but he's Potsy to me. Um, that was great. I want to hear you sing more often, man. Um, but they're in South Carolina, and they are ministering there actually in Maddie's mom's church. Her family, the church where she grew up and around her family there, and they're having a little vacation time. So they asked Jeremiah, since he's going to be in town, might as well preach. I mean, I mean, if that guy's going to be in your town, you might as well have him preach. So that's where they are today. So we bless them in Jesus' name. And uh, so they'll be back with us next Sunday. Be praying for them, and just that will be a time of refreshing and rejuvenation and strengthening. Amen. And I want to just... Greet all of our live stream viewers. God bless you. We thank you for tuning in today, those that normally do it. Maybe it's your first time. We are really glad to have you, and you're always welcome. We'd love to have you in here, but that's the next best thing. So we're glad that you're part of what we're doing, and also those that are listening to our podcast. Thank you so much for um, subscribing to us and, and listening to these messages. We're here for you, and, and if we can't see you, at least... Maybe we can connect to you by getting the word to you and encouraging you today. That, that's what we're here to do. We, we have good news to share with the world. We have really good news, the best news to share with the world. And it is our mission at One Cause Church to get this news out to as many people as we can and to use every avenue and resource possible to be able to do that. Amen. Because that news changes lives. Christ died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again from the dead. Whoever believes on him will receive everlasting life. That is the greatest news any one of us could hear. And once it's believed, your life changes forever. 
right? Your life changes forever. Praise God. And I, I'm grateful for that, that we, of all the things that we could talk about, we get to share the greatest news. And there are a lot of good things out there, but there ain't nothing like this. Nothing like this message. You know, Christianity is all about change. We all love change, right? Some of you grunted there, but... Because if, you, if you've made any changes in your life, you found out that there's really no growth without change. And there is no change without conflict, and all the married people said. Amen. Okay, Romans 8.29 says this right here. Romans 8.24, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he, being Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brethren. I love this. I love what God has done for us through his Son. That God who gave his only begotten Son through his Son has now begotten many sons. He's no longer the only begotten. He's the firstborn among many brethren. Amen. So God has preordained this, predestined. Let me just say something about predestination. I'm not going to go into the whole thought on predestination, but I do know this truth. There is no predestination outside of Christ Jesus. You're only predestined in him. All right? Only predestined in him. This was God's plan from the very beginning that all of us would be conformed to the image of his son. All right? So that, what that tells me, and maybe this will tell you, I, hope, I think it will, that I need to learn some things. If I'm to be conformed to the image of his son, then there's more learning for me. There are changes that are necessary for my life, and there are more experiences to have. Now, in the spirit realm, we know that this is already a done deal. Our spirits are made right with God the moment we believe. We are born all over again, which means you are like him now in the spirit. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Imagine that. You are just as righteous as Jesus Christ himself. Amen. He made you that. He gave that gift of righteousness to you, to you who believe. That's a powerful thing. In the spirit, that is all the truth. But the difficulty is, and the reality of the way it is right now while we're here on earth, is that you are a justified spirit living in an unglorified body. Hence the struggle. Hence the war. So welcome to the war. But welcome to the victory. Because it's a fixed fight. And the scripture says that Jesus said, I've already overcome the world. And now... In all of these things, in all the struggles, in all the persecutions, in all the trials, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Love is what brought you up out of defeat. Love is what brings you up out of despair, out of hopelessness, out of darkness. It makes you more than a conqueror. You know, being a conqueror is one thing. Being more than a conqueror is a little bit different reality. The conqueror is the one who has to go to battle. The conqueror is the one who has to win the skirmish. Y'all remember Mike Tyson? I used to love watching that gut box. Because when he walked into the room, I would shake in my living room. He was just fearsome looking. And a lot of these guys would come in, these boxers would come in with all the flash and all that stuff. Not Tyson. He had an old sweatshirt torn up, just draped over him. Maybe it was a towel. I don't remember what it was in black trunks. And he came in just looking for the guy he's about to kill. 
I mean, I, just, he just brought fear in the room, and rightfully so. I mean, he knocked most of them out in the first round. Just an amazing fighter. Extraordinary punch. And he made, he made several, several million dollars off his fight. fights. But he did all that work, and then they handed him a check. And back when he was married, I don't know if he's married again or not, but he gets home after having won that fight, and he walks in the door, and his wife puts her hand out. He lays that check in her hand. He's a conqueror, but she's more than a conqueror. <laughs> so you've been handed the victory. You've been given the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He already fought your battle, and he won. And he said, it is finished. Now, all we are here now to do is to enforce and to continue to evoke that victory. How does that happen? By faith. By faith in him. Faith in him alone. But there are these things that we need to do along this life of our Christian experience, and that is to get our minds right. Because between that justified spirit and that unglorified body, Paul said, with the mind, I serve the flesh, or with the mind, I serve the spirit. So how many of you understand that you've got to get your mind right? You've got to get your mind set on the right kinds of things. The scripture teaches us to set our minds on things above and not on things of the earth, to let this mind be in us, which was also in Christ Jesus. Well, how in the world do I do that? Well, you have a Bible. And, and the more you give yourself to the word of God, and, 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 and here's the thing. I found this to be true a long time ago. The moment Eric Holler stopped arguing with what I was reading, with, reading in the Bible, well, the moment I stopped arguing and just started accepting it, and believing it, that's when a lot of the clouds went away in my life. That's when a lot of the struggles were over. But the mark of real maturity is to stop the arguing and start believing. Right? I mean, there are a lot of things in the Bible I don't particularly like. Turn the other cheek. I don't like that verse of Scripture. I don't know why they put it in there. Turn the other cheek. Are you kidding me? But it's there. And there are things that as you mature, you learn to just trust the Lord. You learn to follow him. You learn that he knows what's best. And he has your best interest in mind. And God is never out to hurt you or to lead you in a bad place, lead you in a dark place, to take you to despair. He's here to show you victory. Amen. So this Christian life is about changing. It's about changing. It's about upgrading. And so when you embrace it and when you get into the flow of it, my family, this Christian life, your life with God can be so fun and so exciting. But if you're fighting it all the time, if you get ticked off and you hear about stuff like this, don't tell me I need to change, you need to change. Well, that funky attitude is going to take you nowhere but to trouble. All right? It's just going to take you to trouble because, because this is how God designed us to continue to go forward, 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 forward. And if you're not changing, you're dying. You know, we have a next generation that we're always trying to reach to and, 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 and to connect them to God. And that means that the church is going through changes. Hmm? When I was a kid, we sang out of books. That's what we did. We sang out of the hymnals. And when that started changing, oh, my Lord. Boy, people gave, they had a lot of opinions about that. Uh, allowing that rock and roll and those African jungle beats in the church. I heard all that nonsense growing up. I'm thinking, what's wrong with African jungle beats? 
They're pretty groovy, actually. And I'm quite convinced if King David had been exposed to distortion and electric guitar, he would have been playing that thing. I know that King David, no doubt, was a rocker at heart. Because when you read Psalms chapter 150, it's extraordinary. He says, play upon the, the cymbals. Play upon the loud cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Talking about all these instruments that we need to praise the Lord upon. I'm telling you, if he just had the electric guitar then, he would have said, turn up that distortion. But we, we, just through the progress of church, I've seen myself, of seeing just the progression. Of, I love where music has come to today. I really do. I love that that it's, it's become even more complex for the musician's sake. I, I, as a musician, can appreciate it because it's a challenge many times. You know, years ago, it was just, just kind of, we bring a sacrifice of praise. And I like that. You know, it was all part of progress. And, I, and at that time, that was like the most happening song ever. Um, and, and then, and then uh, celebrate Jesus, you know, celebrate Jesus. And then all this, the things started getting complex because it had like these syncopations. Da 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 Celebrate. You know, and you're like, whoa, that's, I don't know if we can do that in church. But, you know, there was, a, there was something written centuries before, which people don't, don't know, when hymns actually started coming into the church. And there was an upheaval against hymnals. I'm thinking, what were they singing before hymnals? Was it just Gregorian chants? <laughs> what were they singing before that? That they were raising such a ruckus about hymns. Oh, they're going to make people misbehave and cause Christians to stay out late at night. And I mean, the, the excuses, I'll have to show you sometime uh, this article. It's, it's extraordinary with the, the church's problems with the new music called hymnals of the day. So there's always been some kind of resistance to change is all I'm saying. And so if we're going to reach the next generation, we better be ready to change. We better be ready to change. We need to have the music they like. We need to, we need to have their input. Otherwise, we're going to lose them. I'm grateful that the generation before me reached down to me. Huh? Aren't you grateful that the generation before you reached down to you and helped you come along and, and met you where you were? Because these kids are talking different today. They're feeling different. They're thinking different. And they, I mean, they have a whole different vocabulary, don't they? I was telling the early service, the moment I think I'm, I kind of know the lingo is the moment I found out I'm way out of style. Like, I don't, and the moment I say, I said, I say the same word you did, but dad, yeah, that, that's old. Well, I heard you say it yesterday. <laughs> but the moment you said it, dad, it's over. <laughs> it is no longer relevant. Okay. So I kind of thought, well, if I just say all of them, then they'll never say them again. Let me just get that <laughs> lingo out of our house. <laughs> But it is. We have, to, we have to continue to reach forward. We have to continue to reach forward, which means we've got to be willing to upgrade. Got to be willing to change. And not only just for them, but my family, the next generation needs to hear from us. They need your wisdom. They need your guidance. They need your correction. They need all of those things. And this is what makes a great partnership. They keep us young, and we help them mature. Amen. They think they know everything. Well, so did you. You thought that. 
Amen. But I, I'm, I'm pretty convinced of this, that people who don't love change eventually don't love church. <laughs> you are supposed to say amen there because you're here. But <laughs> after a while, and I've seen this as a pastor, I've seen it. People get really inspired by the word, by, by what's going on in the church. And then all of a sudden you start seeing them distancing themselves slowly. Well, the Lord used to speak to me here, but now I, I, don't, I don't feel like he talks to me at all here. That, that message didn't really speak to me today. And you can just tell they're, they're not that far from being out the door because the excuses start lining up. And, and what's even worse are the religious excuses, blaming God for their refusal to change. Because as the church is progressing, sometimes when somebody stops changing, they, get le they feel left out of it. Right? They feel left out. Well, let's go to where the Lord is speaking now. Obviously, it's not here. No, he's speaking here. Amen. But, but, but see, they fall into a cycle like that. I, I, I knew a man years ago who was on his fifth marriage, and he told me, he said, you know, once you... Once you get rid of the first one, the second one's even easier, and then it just gets easier from there, and it's kind of how that church swapping goes. Listen, I can change or I can die, and if you're not excited about where you are in life right now, if you're not excited, if you're not willing to see the glory and the beauty of where you are right now, my family, then you're going to do everything that you can to avoid where you are. You'll medicate the pain. You'll distract yourself on a regular basis. You'll, you'll even... Uh, uh, kind of adopt someone else's reality. You'll find something to stay away from where you are. Amen. Y'all got nice and quiet there, but you just want to talk about what should have been or what is supposed to be up here rather than dealing with what's right now. And if you'll start just making godly changes, and godly changes really are incremental changes. They really are small things. Along the way, before long, you find yourself in a place you never dreamed you'd be because the Lord wants to take you to a wonderful place. He wants to show you marvelous things. And if you'll just determine to be one, an advocate for change, one who's not having to change, but one who is excited to change, then God can help you. Amen. He, he wants to get in this with you. He wants to show you what's possible and what he can do. Amen. Turn to somebody and tell them he really is on your side. He really is on your side. All right. A couple more minutes. Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So another part of what God has predestined, again, where is it? In Christ what God has preordained, what God has prepared beforehand is all found in Christ and that you are created in him and you are his workmanship. So this isn't really so much about what we do, but it's about who we are. Amen. And when you figure out that you're made for this, you're created for this, well, then the doing isn't so burdensome. It's actually kind of fun because then you're really being the real you. Amen. And then 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, if anyone be in Christ, where? Where is he? If anyone be where? In Christ. See, it's all about in him. In Christ. He is a what? New creation. Oh, that's good. He is. It doesn't say he was or, or he is a new creation. Are you in Christ today? Yes. 
then you are right now a new creation. So if you've been saved 50 years or 50 seconds, you're new. You're still new because you're in him. And since that's true, then that means that you have all the ability and the resources found in him to continually be renewed. Aren't you glad about that? That the new that you are now never grows old. It never grows corrupt. Because his seed remains in you. I'm grateful to God for that. Let's go to one last scripture. It's found in Philippians chapter 3. This is our apostle teaching us here, the apostle Paul to the Gentiles. And he gives us some real good wisdom here. And I just want us to leave you with this here today because I love how practical Paul gets here. I love that he doesn't just talk over our heads, but he shows us something powerful in how to continue to renew your life. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected. So Paul is saying, in other words, I'm not there yet, but I'm heading there. But I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Now, what is that? Verse 13. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended or arrived, but one thing I do. Everybody say one thing. thing. How many of you here can do one thing? Yeah, one thing. You know, I I appreciate a lot of the help that's out there, self-help stuff and leadership stuff, but sometimes it wears me out. 21 principles to be in a good... I'm like, 21? Oh, I can't do that. That's way too many. But I like this. One thing I do. One, I'm not coming against any of those guys. You please understand. I'm just saying I'm not at that level yet. I like the one, th- I like the one thing. Everybody say one thing. Come on, shout it like you mean it. One thing. One thing I do. Here it is. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward. Wait, wait, Paul. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's three things. Forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Next verse, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ. That's a big one thing. Well, that one thing has three parts to it. That one thing has three parts to it. It has three elements to it, three components, if you will. And it's, it's this, it's, but it's all one thing. It's progressive. I'm forgetting what's behind. Well, how do you forget what's behind? Reaching forward to what's ahead. See, we, we, sometimes we get stuck in this place of, I'll never forget what they did to me. <laughs> How's that working for you? Hmm? <laughs> How's that working for you? I can forgive, but I can never forget. Like, Whoa. So what you're saying is you really don't forgive. <laughs> and, and I'm not saying that, that we have the God ability to just wipe it out. Like He says, I'll remember your sins no more. Wow, I wish I had that ability to not remember my failures, not remember my sins, not remember. It's not about that. Paul's not saying to delete it from your memory because really it's, that's virtually impossible to do. But here's what he's saying. Forgetting means to no longer care for, to neglect, to no longer give attention to. Well, how's that going to happen? You're going to have to turn your eyes 
and look forward. I'm forgetting back here by reaching forward. Woo, forgetting. How? Through a new focus. A new focus. I'm reaching forward to those things which are where? Ahead. Ahead. Just get in your car today and you tell me what you're going to focus on. What's in the windshield or in the rearview mirror? Hmm? If you focus on that rearview mirror while you're driving down the road forward, <laughs> trouble is coming to you. You have a whole windshield right here before you. Please keep your eyes on that. Huh? That rearview mirror is only a reference point. It's not a focal point. All right? Where you were is only a reference. Where you're going is where you're focused. Reaching forward to those things which are ahead. God says, I'm up here. I give you a future and a hope. Woo! Forgetting those things which are behind. I mean, if anybody, if anybody really needed to do that, was that not the Apostle Paul who persecuted the church to no end, tried to destroy this gospel, tried to destroy this message, and now he's the front runner of it? To, see, to watch Stephen be martyred, to be stoned to death, crying out on Jesus, don't charge them with this sin, God. What kind of man is he? And then saying, I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Paul watching all of that happen and saying, throw him harder! Kill him! The next thing you know, he has an encounter with Jesus. And he's taking up that message that Stephen preached and carrying it on. Forgetting those things which are behind. Reaching forward to those things which are ahead. You don't have time to let what was control what is and what will be. Amen. Amen. And you have this ability in him. Since God is not holding your sins against you, Give yourself a break, too, since he's not doing it. That's why you need to let this mind be in you, which is also in him. Amen, because he's taking you forward, forgetting those things. And look, reaching forward. This is awesome. This is the last verse. Uh, verse 14, I think. I press toward the goal. The word press really isn't actually a very good word here in, when the translators put, put it into English. Because pressing seems to be a bit strenuous. It seems to be like, I think of bench pressing. You know, I press toward the goal. I mean, weightlifters love this verse. Like, but it's really, not, it's really not what it's about. The word press literally means to run swiftly. To run swiftly. To run swiftly. You see that? That changes the whole picture, doesn't it? I forget what's behind, and I reach forward to what's ahead, and I run swiftly because I'm not letting these things weigh me down any longer. And now that all the weight is off, woo, my run is on. All right, and now I can run swiftly. Why? Because there's a prize ahead of me, and that prize is the Lord Jesus Christ. That prize is fully being conformed into his image. Amen. And to know the fullness of this salvation, spirit, soul, and body. And the scripture says, let us lay aside every weight 
and the sin that so easily besets us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Listen, don't be afraid to fail. That's a, that's a bad way to focus your life. If you're afraid to fail, when you fail, you will be utterly devastated. And I'm here to tell you today to give you a little reality check. Not if you fail, but when you fail. All right? That is part of living in this life, living in this world. Don't be afraid to fail. Just be afraid to quit. Never quit. Failure can teach you a few things, and it'll be a good teacher if you'll stop seeing it as your death, if you'll stop seeing it as the end all and see it as just a teacher. All right? Just don't quit. Turn to somebody and tell them, don't quit. Don't quit. Tell them, finish the race. Finish the race. Finish the race. And Paul said, listen, since we're in the race, let us run. Let us run. Not, not being settled in, the, in, in just the middle pack. Let us run like that horse justified did yesterday. Won the Kentucky Derby. Run for the prize. Since you're in the race, you might as well run to win. Run to cross that finish line. Amen. And this is, that's it. To forget, to focus, and then to finish. Say it. Forget, focus, finish. Forget, focus, finish. One thing. It's all one thing. One thing I do. Forget, focus, finish. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time together with these lovely, lovely people. Thank you, Lord, that you love each and every one of them dearly. And that as your children, you're fully and totally pleased with them. Not by works of righteousness that they've done, but through Christ and in Christ. He made us acceptable. He made us blameless. He made us holy. He made us right with God. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did for us. Thank you for exchanging the great exchange where you became sin and we became the righteousness of God. You became wounded and we became healed. You became poor and we became rich. You became a curse and we became blessed. You became the Son of Man so that we could become sons of God. Thank you for that. Thank you, Lord. What a beautiful exchange that the Christian experience is not just one of change. It is an exchange. Father, I pray for these here today. Lord, all of us need to change in some area because we're all in process. And I pray just for boldness today and courage and inner, that they would be energized, Lord, to come into new things today, to not be overwhelmed or, or see change as daunting, but, Lord, that they'll see this as something to look forward to. As James said, when you fall into various trials, consider it all joy. Take joy in that moment because you're in the way. You're in the process of becoming stronger in your faith. Your hope is closer realized in those difficulties because God has made you to overcome, not to succumb, but to overcome. Father, thank you right now for great grace upon this people. In the mighty name of Jesus. And today, if you're here and you don't have a relationship with God, that's really the starting place to know him, to truly know him. I'm not talking about going to church or 
knowing about him. I'm talking about having a real relationship with him. He wants you to not just know about him. He wants you to know him. He loves you. And so he invites you to come into his family by this. Believe on my son. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe that he died for your sins so that you don't have to die from your sins. Believe that he did it for you. And that they buried him in a tomb, but God raised him from the dead three days later. It's that simple. Today, if you're here, let me encourage you, believe on him. Come into the family of God. His arms are wide open to you. There is nothing that you could do or say or have done ever that can keep you from this love. As bad as your bad was or is, it's not even, it can't even compare to how good he is. And all that bad and all that sin gets swallowed up in the grace of God. Just know that he loves you. And he wants you with him. He wants you in this family. He wants to walk with you in this life to lead you in victory, to lead you in triumph, to bring you real peace and joy and strength for your life. So I would like us all here today, we're just going to pray together here. And today you want to make that decision to accept Jesus into your life and to to become a child of God. Just, Just pray these words with us. I can't give you faith, but I can give you some words for you to attach your own faith to. All right? Let's just pray this. Lord, I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins. I believe that God raised him from the dead. And I now confess Jesus is Lord of my life. Thank you for bringing me into the family. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for looking beyond all my faults and seeing my greatest need, my need for redemption. Thank you for redeeming me. And I thank you that now God is my father. Jesus is my older brother. And these people in this room are my family. And heaven is ultimately my home. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. God is so good. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com. 